Open your Bibles tonight to the third chapter, to the third chapter of the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 3. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me, indeed is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of doves. I heard Dr. Ironside once when we were in a Bible conference, and he said, beware of mama dogs. He said, because most of the false religions and cults have been started by women. Now, don't you get mad. The booger man will get you. We've got to love one another. And he said, you know, sometimes they're mad dogs. And you know something that a mad dog throws a fit at the only thing that will do him any good? And that's water. And he sees water, he throws a fit. Well, the word, the water is the word. And these mad dogs, when you put the word on them, they don't like that. Amen? I told you the other night, maybe, I think about, a fellow said to me, these cults and false religions, they have taken my, they have taken my people, and he said they go off until they just almost drain all the people I have. I said, that's your fault. If you would have founded them in the word, they wouldn't run. Amen? It's like the, the, the traveling man rode up to the fence, uh, rode up to the farmer's door and said, Your hogs have gone crazy. I watched them a while ago, and they'll run squealing across the field, clear to the other side, and they'll turn around and come squealing back to this side. And the old farmer said, No, they're not crazy, but last winter I lost my voice. And I couldn't call my hogs except by beating on the fence with a stick. And he said, this summer, these everlasting peckerwoods have run my hogs to death. I'm going to tell you this. If you'll get your people grounded in the Word, they won't run after every religious peckerwood that comes through the country. That's what I'm telling you. Okay. You sort of get that, don't you? He said, beware of dogs. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. For we are the circumcision which worship God in spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law blameless, but what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss, for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, and for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I might win Christ, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death. Our Heavenly Father, as we come to speak now, we pray that the Holy Spirit shall make us pliable in his hands and preach not ourselves but Christ Jesus the Lord. We thank you for this great conference of this week and for the hundreds that come up and we trust have been helped and blessed, and will go back with the fires of God burning in their soul. We thank thee for thy servant, that thou hast called, anointed, and given a vision of a world ministry. 
pray that thou would bless him tonight and continue to bless him and supply every need because we ask it in the name of Jesus and for his sake. Amen. Perhaps Saul of Tarsus, who was later to become the Apostle Paul, perhaps Jesus and his followers never had a more bitter enemy was than Saul of Tarsus. He went about the city of Jerusalem, arresting the saints, dragging them down and putting them in prison, and, and sometimes even putting them to death, and doing it all the time with a good conscience, and thinking that he was doing the will of God. And one day when he had exhausted all of the saints in and around Jerusalem, he heard of a little crowd, a little group down at Damascus, and he armed himself with letters of authority and started out on the long trip to Damascus to lay hold upon those hated Christians and drag them back to Jerusalem. Do to them as he had done to the others. And with the letters of authority tucked away in his pocket, he started out, and day after day, under the, under the hot sun and over the blistering sands, he pushed on, spurred on by the fact that soon he would have those hated Christians in his grasp. And just when he was stood on the outskirts of the city of Damascus, before he swooped down upon them, something happened. And a light shone round about him. And a voice from the heavens said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? He said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. And he said, What wilt thou have me to do? And he said, You go into the city, and there it will be told you what you must do. Those that were with him saw the light, but they didn't hear the voice. And by tender hands, blindly, he was led into the city and down the street called straight and lodged in the house of one Judas. God had another servant that day in Damascus by the name of Ananias. And he said, Ananias, I want you to go down straight street and go into the house of one Judas and there you'll find Saul of Tarsus. I want you to go down and witness to him. Ananias said, not me. Not me, Lord, because I know why he's here. He said, don't be afraid of him. I've unhorsed him. He said, you go down. And I, Ananias went down the street and went in. And he said, Brother Saul, you've had a little difficulty in life. And the thing that's bothered you and perplexed you, and the thing you could never quite get settled in your mind was this, the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you've been asking yourself the question, was he and is he the Messiah, or shall we look for another? Now he said, Saul, no doubt after that marvelous experience you had out yonder on the, on the Damascus road, no doubt after that you're but now convinced that he was and is the Son of God. Now he said, believing that, why, do you, why don't you arise and confess that in the act of baptism? And he did. And there his name was changed to Paul. And ever after that, wherever Paul went, wherever he went if he got in trouble, every time he got in trouble, I don't care if it was before the governor or the judge or whoever it was, wherever he got in trouble, he always walked back down the halls of memory and stood again at that little spot yonder outside the city of Damascus and said, here's where it happened. Here is where it happened. Here was where I was changed from nature to grace. Here is where I was born again. And here is where I was made a child of God. 
I wonder tonight, my friend, if you can walk back down the hall of memory and find a spot and stand upon it and say, here's where it happened. Here's where I was born again. Here's where I was made a child of God. You say, Dr. Lakin, do I have to know the time and the place where I was saved? I don't say that. But I say if you were ever saved, there was a time and there was a place when you were changed from nature to grace and made a child of God. And made a child of God. The more I preach and travel up and down this world, the more I'm convinced that few people are really saved. Friends, this thing is real. This, thing's mean, this thing means something. You say, Dr. Lincoln, do you know the time and the place when you were saved? Amen. I certainly do. I'm just as sure of that as I'm standing upon this platform. And I can go now. I can go now to the place. Dr. Farwell sent, when he preached my wife's mother's funeral, and he said, I want to go over the territory here. And so he sent down and picked Mrs. Lincoln and I up and brought us back up there. And we went out over that section of country for a write-up for the paper. Went down to the forks of the creek, a little church, where that night I was saved. My brother's gone to heaven now. But one day I, I, was back, I was, came to the hospital. Sunday I went, Saturday night I went over to my nephew's and spent the night. And he was the superintendent of the Sunday school in the little one-room country church at the forks of the creek. The next morning he said to me, would you like to go down to Sunday school with me? I said, I sure would. And I got in my car and drove down seven miles over a gravel road just before I got to the church. I stopped my car and went down to the edge of the creek there under a big sycamore tree where 60 years ago, the 12th day of last February, I was baptized when they cut a hole in the ice. And I knelt there and let the water run through my fingers. And then I said, Lord, a lot of water's gone over these rocks in the last 60 years. I went on up to the little church and, and my nephew said, Are you going to preach for us? I said, I sure am. That's what I came for. There were 68 people there that morning and I preached. They moved the old church. Now, the old church was burned and then they built another one. Just a little way, just maybe, maybe 50 yards from where the other one was. My brother and I walked down across the little old churchyard and stopped and I said, Jim, I said, about here is where the old church sat, wasn't it? He said, yeah, about here. I said, you know, I think it was about here. Where that night I went down on my knees a little pine mourner's bench, a pot-bellied stove and coal oil lights. And Jesus came walking down the aisle and with a crown on his head and a cross on his back and said, What can I do for you? And I said, Do for me that that I cannot do for myself. There wasn't any great there wasn't any great things happened. But there no, no great demonstration, but there came a deep settled peace into my soul that will stand the crush of worlds. And I said to him, Lord, if you'll save me, you'll never hear the last of it. <laughs> and that night, when that old preacher preached, nephew of Devil Lance Hatfield, the leader of the Hatfield and McCoy field, and I, he preached that night on, When I see the blood, I will pass over you. Amen. I, when he gave the invitation, I could hardly wait. And when he gave the invitation, I, I knelt. 
Somehow or the other, that night when I trusted him, and I rose from there, and my mama looked like she was walking on a sea of glass. And I came out of that little church that night, and the stars came out on dress parade, and the trees bowed down their head and said, We're glad. As I walked over the little red clay hills, I sang, Hallelujah, tis done, I believe on the sun, I'm saved by the blood of the crucified one. And as Uncle Bud said, the Lord came out and leaned over heaven and dropped a chunk of salvation over heaven and hit me in the left side of the soul and turned over a whole tub of honey and it's been oozing out between the ribs now for 60 years. And tonight my, uh, my pancake tree's loaded to the water line and my honey pond's full to the brim. And I got a bee gum in the backyard and my soul hadn't been robbed this year. I feel like my bees are going to swarm tonight before I get out. Oh, beloved, this is real. And Paul said that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. I don't think Paul meant that I might know Jesus for the first time. Because surely a man that had an experience like he did couldn't say that he didn't know Jesus. I, I, I think what he meant was this. He said, oh, that I might know him better. And as you go down from this conference tonight, that ought, to be the, that ought to be the hunger of every heart in this auditorium tonight that's ever been in the banquet house. And you've ever sat at the feasting table over which love's banner floated and fell and tasted the Lord and found in a thousand ways that he was good. You say, what is the, that I might know him better? You say, Brother Lincoln, how could I know Jesus better? First of all. I think if you would know him better, you'll have to tell much of the book that tells about him. Make much of the book that tells about him. Make much of the word of God. Listen, my friends. This, my, this is the thing that you need to feast your soul in. Young preacher said to me the other day, Dr. Lakin, what would you suggest for a young preacher? And I'm going to tell you. I said, first of all, wallow in the word of God. Amen. And then second, learn to preach the gospel. Amen. Amen. And the gospel is how Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Amen. Don't get off, don't go off chasing rabbits. Don't run off down, don't run off down a sideline. When you stand behind this pulpit, give people the word. Give people the word. I said sometimes that I know a lot of independent Baptist preachers. My brother, if you take away from them long hair, short skirts, cigarettes, and masons, they couldn't preach a lick. <laughs> That's not the gospel. Amen. That's not the gospel. I like to see a fellow, I like to feel a fellow trim his hair. I like that. But I'm going to, and I like to see skirts worn white like they are. Fellow said, don't you think that woman's skirt was too short? I said, I don't know. What color was her hair? He hadn't looked that high. I said, she may be down in it a little bit too far. I don't know. It's like a preacher said, a preacher said, you know, don't you think that piano's skirt's too short? And I said, I don't know. Later, I said to his wife, I said, honey, you've got, you got trouble there with that. You've got a problem with that husband of yours. No, I've got no problem with my husband. I said, yeah, you have. She said, what? I said, he's looking at the women's legs. No, I don't go along that way. You can, you can shave a man's head till he's as bald as Yul Brynner. 
and put skirts on the woman till it dra- till her skirts drag the ground and go to hell as straight as a Martin to his gourd. Those are things they do as Christians. Not to be saved, my friend. Let me tell you something. You don't do that. I was preaching one night and I said, I never ask a man to give up anything. I don't ask him to quit drinking liquor. I don't ask him to quit smoking cigarettes. I think he ought to. He will, I think, when he gets saved. A man said, could I go to heaven and smoke cigarettes? I said, yes, and a lot quicker. Let me tell you something. You heard the story about the fellow said he's sitting, sitting on a plane and a woman pulled out a pack of cigarettes and lit up one and blew smoke on him. And I said, now, lady, you smoke. I chew. Now, you can blow smoke on me if I can spit on you. <laughs> the fellow said, couldn't I go to, heaven and, uh, go to heaven and chew tobacco? I said, yeah, but you'd have to go to hell to spit. Let me tell you something, my friend. But that's not the gospel. That's not the gospel, amen? Do you know what the gospel is? The gospel is how Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture. Many a church that has been torn up and wrecked, not for preaching of the gospel, but my meddling. Amen? Amen? Young preacher, don't try to put everybody in your mold. You preach the gospel. Here's where Christ... Listen, here's where I was born. Here's where I'll die. God laid all my sin on Jesus. Past, present, and future. You say, not my future sins. They were all future. When he died, you hadn't committed any of them. What did he do with them? Our Savior Jesus Christ, who loved us and gave himself for us, that he might redeem, pay for all of our sins. And the moment I trust him, verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word, and believeth on him that sent me, hath, present tense, got it now, everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation. The moment I trust Jesus Christ as my own personal Savior, right then and there, outside of all churches, outside of all baptisms, outside of all communions, outside of all good works, the moment I believe Jesus Christ is my complete Redeemer, I'm assured of heaven as if it was already there. Amen. Lady said to me the other day, Dr. Lickin, you think you'll make it? I said, I already got it made. I'm already seated in heaven as far as he's concerned. Amen. I'm already seated in heaven. She said, Well, I hope you make it. I want to see you in heaven. I said, It's up to you because I'm a going. Let me show you something. That's like one of them said to me, Dr. Lickin, I was out in Oklahoma and they were having a convention there, and noisy too, and they were staying in the hotel, and the lady said, well, keep your eyes on Jesus. I said, I don't have to. He keeps his on me. If you'll make much of the Word of God, listen, my friends, that's where the gospel of Christ is. To tell you the Word of God. Read astronomy, know about the stars. Read botany, know about the flowers. Listen, my friend. Read geology and know about the rock. Thank God when you read this, you'll know about the rock of ages, the lily of the valley, the bright in the morning star, the rose of Sharon when you read this. You'll not know so much about the age of the rocks, but bless God, you'll know the rock of ages. That's what I'm telling you tonight. If you want to know about him and more about him, he said, in the volume of this book is it written of me. Here's to this book what the blood is to your body. Here's to this book what the letters are to the alphabet. 
Take him out of this book tonight. It would be a, it would be a meaningless jargon of words with the voice of every typus and the tongue of every symbol dumb when you take him out of this book. When you have him in this book, then my friend, he said, I, I am, I am the whole volume of the thing. Little boy came out and said, Daddy, I put my blocks up, the little blocks he got for Christmas. He said, every time I put them up, they have the face of George Washington. Open this, it doesn't matter where you open it, you'll find Christ. Don't leave it on your study, don't leave it on your table dust covered in the volume of this book. Is it written of me? And if you would know more about him, then make much of the book, my friend, that tells about him. Let me give you another one. If you know more about Jesus Christ, cultivate the habit of secret prayer. I didn't say public prayers. Most of those are never answered. If they were, there's enough of them prayed every time we come to church to save the world. It's like somebody said, have you prayed? We sat down to eat. Have you prayed? I said, no, but I will. But God doesn't pay much attention to it, I don't think. Let me tell you something, my friend. No prayer is a prayer until the Holy Spirit begins the prayer. To cultivate the habit of secret prayer. When you've entered into your closet and you pray in secret, and he that seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. One sin that I have to confess more than any other sin is the sin of prayerlessness. Did you ever take and pull your watch on your prayer life and say how little time you spend in prayer? You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. Little boy said, Daddy, is God dead? He said, no, why? He said, I don't see, I don't hear you talking to him anymore. I said to Mr. Rody Haver one day, I said, Rody, that the song that you wrote, the song that you wrote, forgive me for forgetting. I said, how did that happen? He said, I was in a great First Baptist church. I sang in the early services that morning. Then I sang in the Sunday school. Different departments. Then I sang for the morning service. Then I sang for the young people in the evening. And then I sang for the great evangelistic service Sunday night. Midnight, I was tired and and worn. I went yonder to get the train. And he said, I got on the train. I climbed in the Pullman. I undressed. And then I rolled quickly into the bath. And he said, you forgot to pray. Then I turned over and said, Lord, forgive me for forgetting. When I first got saved, and I like that word, S-A-V-E-D. I've heard so much of the other. I've heard that word commitment till I'm sick. Now come and make your commitment. What have you got to commit? You're not saved by commitment. I heard a fellow say, now, let Jesus give your heart to Jesus. What does he want with your dirty old heart? You're not saved by commitment. You're not saved by giving your heart to Jesus. You're saved by believing on Jesus Christ who died and paid for all your sins, past, present, and future. That's the thing that saves you tonight, man. That's the thing that saves you tonight. I remember when I first got saved, I prayed. I prayed in every stall in the barn. I prayed when I fed the hogs. I prayed when I went for the cows. I prayed as I plowed a mule around the rocky hillside. I prayed at every end of the corn row. I prayed. I prayed as I rode along the road. I've ridden along the road and passed people and not know it. I was in prayer. And the Holy Spirit praying through me. Let me ask you this. Did you ever stop to think about something that you prayed for that you'd never even thought about? 
You never even thought about it. Why? That's the Holy Spirit praying through you. Take time to be holy. Dr. Truett said, my mother yonder in the mountains of North Carolina, when the others had gone to the field of a morning, my mother would say, "You, George, you watch the children. And she'd go down back of the house and be gone and then come back, face all shining. One morning I slipped along down the road, down the path behind her. And I saw her kneeling under an old apple tree and I stopped to listen and she said, Dear Lord, I can't ever rear these big boys without you help me. And when she came back, I said, Mother, what does that mean? And she said, George, you're too little to know now. But someday you'll understand. My friend, listen to me. If we learn how to pray, that's the thing. Secret prayer. And the man who would know more about Jesus, Moses, it was his secret prayer that his face showed. Jacob, it was when he was alone with God that his name was changed to Israel. When the man was alone with God that he stained the, the walls of his study with his praying breath. When a man is alone with God. David Brainerd, powerful man, prayed for the American Indians until his garments were as wet as been dipped in a river. To take time to behold him. You know how I try to live? I, at night, the last thing at night, I usually try to read some out of the Word. And then I put it on the table beside me. And then I said, thank you, Lord. You've been good to me today. It's been a good day. Now, if I've had any success, you take the glory. If I've, if I've sinned in any way, let the blood cover that. And then I said, good night, Jesus. I'll see you in the morning. The first thing when I wake up of a morning, I reach out and get this and read some. And I said, thank you for keeping me through a night. Thanking you for letting me see another day. Now, Jesus, lead me to those that I can help today and keep me away from those that I cannot. Amen. My friend, if you do that, you'll know something about Him. He'll reveal Himself to you. That's what I'm talking about. Let me give you the other one. If I would know more about Jesus... I need to watch with uncompromising watchfulness against sin. A lady rejoicing in her newfound faith turned to a person and said, Now, if I sin, will he leave me? He said, No, for he will never leave thee nor forsake thee. But if you sin, he'll hide his face. God's arm is not shortened that he cannot save. Neither is his ear heavy that he cannot hear. But your sin has separated between you. And your God. You'll never approach God as long as there is sin in your life. Maybe it's the sin of jealousy. Someone, listen, I believe that, that all, uh, much of the criticism, much of the evil things that said against the man here, it heads up in jealousy, amen? It heads up in jealousy. Somebody's doing something that you can't and you're jealous. Somebody's that's doing something that you can't. Sometimes it's envy. Some of you good women. It's not the, listen my friend, it's not the, the sin of drunkenness and gambling and adultery. It's the, it's the little foxes that spoils the vine. Like jealousy and envy. Envy. I said, Mrs. So-and-so had a beautiful dress. Mm, I don't think it's so nice. 
I said, wasn't that a lovely Coke you had? Mm-hmm. I could have them too if I didn't pay my bills. <laughs> Amen. You know what it takes? It takes a big preacher to shout at the other man's meeting. Did you know that? Instead of sort of sitting there to pick it all to pieces. The little sins, the little sins that spoil the vines. I've had to do a lot more repenting since I got saved than I did when I got saved. Paul Rader said that he was, when he was first beginning his ministry after he came back to the Lord, he was attending a missionary conference yonder in Chicago. And he said, a young fellow stood up. A young fellow stood up. And he looked like death. And he preached. And he said when he preached, I said, if I couldn't preach better than that, I'd never try it. If I never could preach, if I couldn't preach better than that, I'd never try it. Then said, when he sat down, another man got up and told how this man had, had spent his life in India. And now with tuberculosis, he'd come home from India to die. He'd given his life. And he said, I went downstairs under conviction and I got down in the coal bin. And I put my hands down in the coal bin like that. And I said, God, forgive me for being critical of the man. And I came back up and they called on me to pray. And I lifted my hands to pray and they were as black as they could be. Down there in the coal bin. Listen, my friend. Watch with uncompromising watchfulness against sin. Against sin. If there is sin in your life tonight, let me tell you. There's no need for you to pray. Because you'll never get your prayer answered. You'll never get your prayer answered. He said, clean up your own doorstep before you approach man. That is tonight, my friend, if I would know more about Jesus, I must watch with uncompromising watchfulness against sin. And then, if I would know more about Jesus, I'll have to be busy and tell others about him. Go ye therefore into all the world and preach my gospel. And tell the story about it. And then he said, I'll be with you. He's never promised to be with you except as you've gone telling the story. He saved you. You were saved to what? Not to sit. But you were saved to serve. You were saved without any works of any kind. But you were saved to do good works of every kind. And I think man is indeed a puzzle to the angels of God and a delight to the demons of hell who realizes that he's been born again, saved by the grace of God, and yet never puts himself out to any inconveniences for cause for Christ or for his cause. To be busy about it. Somebody said, Dr. Lincoln, how much time, how many weeks out of the year do you work? I said, how many is in it? You say, when do you you rest? Never. I'm going to be home for three or four days next week. I haven't been home for three or four days in the last three months. In the last three months. And my wife has never yet said, honey, you ought to come home. You ought to be home. She's never once complained. Thank God for her. She's been the strong crutch under my... She's been the strong right arm through all these years, my friend. Because when I got saved, 
He said, he that's not willing to seek father and mother, husband and wife, houses and land, is not worthy of being my disciple. And young preacher, let me tell you something. If you're an evangelist or whatnot, let me tell you something. Young preacher said to me the other day, Dr. Lakin, I've got to have me another car. I've got to have two cars. I said, why? Well, he said, my wife has to have one. Well, I said, you leave yours. Well, how am I going to go? I said, Greyhound buses are running. I rode a mule. Amen. I sat on my mule. And I said, I'm going to tell you something, young preacher, and if you're here tonight, if you think that you... He said, I try to be home, I have a meeting one week and home one week. I said, you'll never make it. If you think you're going to do that, young preacher, you're badly fooled. Because if you think you're going to jet out yonder, put your feet up in an air-conditioned room in a Holiday Inn somewhere, and eat $6 steaks, you're badly fooled. Well, he said, how am I going to travel? I said, Greyhound bus, get on a bus, amen. And tell that preacher, I said, the churches that you're going to get to go to as when you begin, you're not going to have all that, and they can't afford to do that for you. And I said, I'm going to tell you, you can't work half the time and make a living. I said, tell that preacher that you're going out yonder. He's having a hard scuffle. Tell him to get you a room in a home somewhere. And you'll stay in that. And tell him that you'll go out to dinner. You'll go out to supper. You'll go out to eat. That's what you'll do. Well, he said, my wife, she wants me home. I said, well, you should never marry her. Amen. Amen. Let me tell you something, young lady. If you're thinking about marrying an evangelist or a preacher, you get ready to spend some lonesome, lonely days. Go to work and do something. Amen. Let me tell you something. Here's what I'm telling you tonight, my friend. If you're going to follow Him, it's not an easy road. That's what I'm telling you. I can't do that. Woe is me if I preach not the gospel. I've got to keep preaching. I've got to keep going. He said, when are you going to quit? Never. I guess I'll quit when you find me dead yonder somewhere in a hotel someday or a motel. I'll then quit. But until then, my friend, listen. Ronnie said to me one night when we were driving along through a rainy, stormy night, driving all night. I used to, I used to preach five times on Sunday. After I closed Sunday night, I'd get in my car and drive all night, Sunday night and all day Monday, and get in in time to preach somewhere on Sunday, on Monday night somewhere. We were driving along and he said to me, Pop up. Why do you keep going like this day after day? I said, Ronnie, Pop-Pop believes there's a hell. And I believe if they die without Jesus Christ, they go to hell. And I don't want men and women, that are, I don't want men to be dying around me, my friend, while I'm resting. And if you're going to have power with God, you're going to have to sell out to Him, my friend. And put souls first. I've never asked a man, how much are you going to pay me? I've never asked a person, how much am I going to get paid? I don't do that. I've never sent out a brochure. I don't have any cards even. Never expected anybody to write me anyway. Amen. But you know, God took care of me. God takes care of me. God takes care of me. 
out yonder somewhere tonight as some Dr. Billington said to me one day, and I held 50 revivals for him before he died. I had, I had 50 revivals in the great Akron Baptist Temple. And he said to me, now you're coming here for revival. Come in on Friday. Rest on Friday and Saturday. Well, I preached somewhere Friday night on the way. I preached Saturday night and then drove in there after I preached Saturday night and went to the, hospital, went to the hotel. And he said, you ought not to preach last night. I said, did you know something? If I hadn't preached last night, there's ten people who would have gone to hell because ten people got saved last night. Let me tell you this. If you want to know more about Jesus, be busy for Him. And then he says, that you may know Him and the power of His resurrection. Thank God you're not worshiping a dead Jew in a tomb. You're worshiping a living Lord that's out of the grave and in the glory. Amen. He walked out to the Mount of Olives one day, gave His valedictory address, as the crowd stood round about him, and then in a moment his feet started to leave the earth, and slowly but surely they went up and they watched him, and watched him, and watched him, and watched him until away yonder in the sky there was only a little speck, and then it was gone. They stood looking and said, Is this all? Will we never see him anymore? Then two men, not angels, two men stood and said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus. Amen. Not another, but the, the same Jesus. That ye see go into heaven shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go. Amen. How'd he go? He went away personally. How'd he come? He'll come personally. How'd he go? He went away visibly. How'll he come? Every eye shall see him. How did he go? He went in the presence of his own. May I tell you that the first time, the last time this old godless, wicked, murdering world ever saw him was when they crucified him. They never saw him again. And the next time they see him, they'll see him when he's coming down the sky to judge them. That's when they'll see him. How did he go? He went away instantly. How did he come? Behold, he comes in the twinkling of an eye. How'd he go? He went away from the Mount of Olives. Where will he come to? His feet shall stand again upon the Mount of Olives. The old Arab Christian, someone said to him, Wouldn't you like to go back? Wouldn't you like to go to America with me? The old Christian said, No, I wouldn't. He said, Why? He said, Because 2,000 years ago my Lord went up from here, and he said, He's coming back to here. And he said, I never, I get up every morning and come out here early and stand and watch and said, maybe this will be the day when he will come. And I don't want to miss it. He's going to come, my friend. You say, Dr. Lakin, when do you think he's coming soon? I don't know. I hope so. I don't know, but I, I don't know. I tell you what, I'm planning my work. Dr. Falwell said, next 20, 30 years, I'm planning it for 50. I don't know. I tell you what, I'm looking for him, but I tell you what I'm doing. He may not come for 50 years, but I'm living like this would be the last day I'd ever have upon earth. Glorious thought to go without dying. Somebody said, do you expect to die? No. I never expect to die. Somebody said, as sure as death and taxes. Taxes are sure, but death the most uncertain thing in the world. For we shall not all die. Amen. Amen. Some of these mornings I'm going to get up and step out on the sidewalk and my foot won't touch the girl. 
And I'll take me another step and I'll go up a little higher. Then I'll take another step and the first thing you know, I'm up yonder among the branches of the trees. And on and on, my friend, I go. I walk down the streets of heaven to see him with the marks of the slaughter still upon him, seated at the right hand of God. That's what I'm looking for, my friend. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. He said, go ye therefore, and all power is given unto me, both in heaven and in air. You need power, it's there. And the fellowship of his suffering. You like Easter Sunday, don't you? But you don't care much about Good Friday. You'll never have Easter Sunday till you've had Good Friday. And if you're going to experience the glory, you'll have to have some of the suffering. Somebody said that you never see the rainbow except you see it through the raindrops. Neither will you see a glorified life until you see it through the teardrops of Calvary. The fellowship of his suffering. And if I didn't suffer a little with him, I wouldn't feel like reigning with him. And we who have suffered with him shall also reign with him. That's the glorious truth. That I may know him. And the power of His resurrection. And the fellowship of His suffering. That's the message tonight, my friend. Do you say down in the deep of your soul tonight, Dr. Lincoln, I'd like to know Jesus Christ better in my life. I'd like to know Jesus Christ better. It's been a long, hard trip. The trail started... Sixty years ago, way back in the head of Greenbrier Creek. And it's wound down around and back and forth across this continent. Over a million miles. One of these days, the trail will come to an end down on the banks of the river of life. And the captain of salvation will tap me on the shoulder and say, Old soldier, it's time for you to come home. I'd like to be holding a big meeting somewhere and have an old sinner by the hand when he said, it's time for you to come home. And then he said, when I look on his face, that'll be glory for me. And I said, he'd say, well done, good and faithful servant. And I'll hang my sword on the shimmering wall of the city of God. And then say, Captain Jesus, I brought a little fruit home with me as I came. Hallelujah. 